Happy National Pizza Month, y'all. I'm Betsy, and here are the pods we're tossing into the Popping Collars feed for October 2022. It's a deep dish on Popping Collars this month when Liz, Ricardo, Greg, and I explore the layers of our favorite pop culture calendar years. The only thing scarier than Papa John is our latest episode of The Canon, when our panel of special guests draft movies based on the works of Stephen King. Going on 30 is loaded with all the toppings this month when Greg and I go overboard discussing Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Ryan Parker is back as our special guest on The Sacred Six, where he talks about the Masetta, the only thing flatter on the Camino de Santiago than a thin Pizza Hut pizza. Finally, the PC Book Club features the most surprising thing this side of stuffed crust when Greg joins Ricardo to talk about his favorite spooky books of all time. Ooh, it's spooky season. So grab an extra slice of the longest running Episcopal podcast of all time and keep those collars popped. back to the sacred six sometimes an item in pop culture is just too big for one podcast episode that's where this show steps in i'm your host greg knight with me back again ryan parker how are you ryan great thanks <laughs> this is you you I'm, I'm just down this memory lane with you every time we talk we're talking about something that i go back through my photo albums on the phone and i just go down a rabbit hole of like amazing memories so yeah yeah always, when you're like hey do you want to talk yeah of course because this is gonna be amazing <laughs> it's, it's amazing how that me, works you call me down the rabbit hole ryan and i are looking back at our individual experiences of hiking the camino de santiago in spain this month focusing on the region called the maceta so ryan when you think back on hiking through the desert section of the trail the maceta what is it that you remember from this area I remember being told that it was going to not be fun. It did not. I found it incredibly beautiful. A welcome break from the hills. You move a little bit quicker, obviously. My biggest learning (laughs) takeaway uh, is that I could indeed hike in sandals. There you go. Yep. Because I had a, I can't remember if I had gotten a blister before then or if i just chose to to hike in sandals because give it a shot and i was hiking in socks wool socks and sandals so i looked like everybody's granddad uh, (laughs) just as fall is approaching and it it was extremely comfortable i would do it more the next time i walk and those are along that way you you come across some very very sleepy towns where you're really all you're doing is walking eating dinner and sleeping It is day 13, lucky number 13 on the Camino de Santiago. We're starting a whole new section, you guys. We're starting on what's commonly called the Meseta. We haven't left Castilla y Leon, but we've entered a section of the trail that is long and flat. And for the most part, uh, you know, according to (laughs) the guidebooks and people that have walked it and stuff like that, um, it's sort of the contemplative kind of mental challenge of the trip because 
each day is kind of like the one before it. Today we're going to be walking from Burgos to Antanas. Uh, fun facts about Antanas. There really aren't that many. <laughs> the town of Antanas derives its name from the numerous natural springs, Fontanas, that are to be found here. That's pretty much it. Named after fountains. But, uh, coming up on the Maceta gives me a chance to talk about uh, something that happened yesterday, which was there are two ways to enter Burgos. There's the official way on the Camino, which basically follows a highway all the way into town. Um, and then you go through the industrial section of town, suburbs, until you get to sort of the medieval section of town where the cathedral and stuff is. There's another unofficial route. It's like an alternative route of the Camino that bypasses all of that. It kind of turns off earlier on the trail and it goes around the airport and then you end up walking into the city of Burgos through a really lovely park area uh, that they have um, that extends the length of the city. So all that is to say that coming up here in the Meseta, there are many, many, many alternative routes that you can take uh, for the Camino. Some that offer better views, some that just get you away from roadsides for a little while because the Maceta is a lot of walking beside small roads and stuff. Uh, so we'll likely be taking advantage of some of those coming up. And I guess what I would say is that if you haven't done a Camino, if you're looking to do a Camino, take advantage of the alternate routes. Make sure that you have like a good map, either a really good guidebook that can explain to you where you are or a GPS uh, tracker on your phone that lets you know if you're still on the trail or not. Because... Um, those alternate routes aren't quite as well marked, and so it's kind of easier to get lost, I think. But um, but also, uh, it's a really great way to see a little more nature and a little fewer cars. So, on to the Maceta. On to Antanas. Oh, yes, by the way, there was a big party in Burgos. Every time we hit a big city... So far, we've run into um, a holiday for whatever reason. So it was a holiday in Burgos, and yes, everything holds true. Old folks were out first, families were out second, and then I passed all the teenagers and 20-year-olds on my way out the door this morning, still partying in the streets. Oh, Spain, you're nothing if not consistent with your holiday celebrations. All right, talk to you later. So, just uh, another quick word on the Maceta, since this is one of our longest days walking. A lot of people skip this section. I've been talking to uh, a bunch of fellow pilgrims who are like, yeah, I think we're going to drive ahead, just skip the Maceta. We'll just head to Leon and kind of walk from there, or head to Astorga and just kind of walk up in the mountains to Santiago from there. So I think this is a section that uh, kind of gets a bad rap for being just sort of the boring section of the Camino. If anything, though, uh, you know, if this first day is any indication, I mean, yeah, you're not going to get a ton of pictures from this section of the Camino unless you get super creative about it. But there's a lot to work on if you're willing to kind of put in the time 
you know, take your ear, take your earbuds out, get rid of all of the distractions that you brought with you. Um, try to clear your mind of all of the things that are happening back home that you feel like you need to take care of, but you can't because you still have what 18 more days of walking left. You know, you've, this is a good time to just sort of take stock of where you are and what you're doing and why you're doing it. So I don't know if I could offer any advice, I would say in the early stages, don't skip the Maseta, like keep going, take this time to really sort of do some individual exploration and uh, maybe use the fields of wheat that surround you as a way to just sort of focus on uh, what it is that you're doing this for. Okay, sorry. One last thing. I promise. I'm not going to make this a blow-by-blow of day one of the Masata. Now that you're out in the plains and now that you're kind of exposed to the weather, which is very cold today, by the way, uh, which may be why my voice is a little chattery or cracky or whatever, you uh, get to experience the giant windmills that are out here on the plains. Uh, Energy windmills that are sort of constantly turning in this uh, chilly breeze. Um, But, you know, it's one of those things that now that I've been in Spain for over a month now, well, just about a month now, you know, God bless the grad student back in undergraduate who got me to actually read all of Don Quixote. And, uh, you know, there's just this poetic element to being out here in the fields this close to these giant windmills. And like I said, you know, I've been here for about a month now and I feel like I understand Spain and Spanish culture a little bit more. And it makes sense, the sort of romantic folly of tilting at these things, you know? It's just, uh, there's there's an aspect of just uh, romanticism and heroism and a call to the past. I mean, I just saw that in Burgos uh, yesterday. They had a uh, celebration of San Pedro and San Pablo. Uh, it was their holiday that they were celebrating yesterday. And, um, you know, you you really do get a sense that this is a place with thousands of years of history and wide-eyed optimism at what could be, even in the face of what the reality is. So that's what I see when I look at these windmills sort of turning right next to me is, uh, yeah, it just gives you that big Don Quixote feels all over. So read a book, you guys. It is day 14 on the Camino de Santiago, and today we are headed from Antanas to Boadilla del Camino. Fun facts about Boadilla. The fields surrounding Boadilla are dotted with adobe palomares, uh, dovecotes. Find your way towards one and explore the interior, which hold thousands of niches. I don't think so. Uh, Also, adjacent to the town square is the Romanesque Iglesia de la Asuncion and a well-preserved 
and a well-preserved Royo de Justicia, Justicia, a 15th century stone column to which criminals were chained while their punishments were meted out. Okay. All right. May not be spending too much time in Boadilla. Okay. Uh, what's happening today? Some practical advice after being on the Masata for a long time yesterday. Uh, one is all of the best pictures that you're going to take on the Camino de Santiago are behind you. Okay, so maybe that's spiritually true. Maybe that's true of life. All the best pictures that you're ever going to take are behind you. Um, but no, it's literally true. If you're walking the Camino, the sun rises behind you. The light play, the way that you see towns, like everything behind you tends to be really gorgeous. So as you're walking, don't forget to stop, turn around, take pictures. Yeah, because all the better pictures that you're going to take on the trip are the ones that you have to stop and turn around to take. So there's that. Hey, uh, so really quickly, I had an interaction last night that I was not expecting with a girl from Lithuania. Here's the thing about the Camino. You're going to meet people from all around the world. And those people tend to um, display, you know, the stereotypes of their country. Italians tend to be like Italians. Germans tend to be like Germans. Americans tend to be like Americans. I'm sure that I've been a perfect American stereotype this whole time. You can go in with preconceived notions about who these people are and what they're like. And I did that with someone because I, I had met them, met them. I'd seen them a couple of towns before and I was like, oh, okay, she's kind of like this. And then we had a really pleasant conversation last night. And it turns out that like, no, she's spiritual searcher, just like we all are on this journey. And she's just trying to figure it out. And I got to say, like, that's the part of this that I really love is the opportunity to kind of get past the surface level of what it is that you expect from people and get down to the reality of who those people really are. It's, it's nice. And this provides you an opportunity to do that on sort of a global scale. Um, so let go of your hangups, let go of, uh, your expectations of people and your stereotypes of people and embrace them for who they are. If the Camino has taught me anything, is to take things for what they actually are, for the truth of themselves, rather than whatever it is that you expect the truth to be. So, just to follow up on the whole, like, international scene, I'm hanging out at the restaurant Albergue, where I'm staying, and a couple of German women sort of walk up to the restaurant, and... They don't speak Spanish, but they do speak English. And so they say to the person working the counter who does not speak English, like, we need something to eat, right? And the really nice lady who's working the counter is, you know, trying her best. And so she's like, comer? And they're like, no, 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 not comer, to eat. We need something to eat, so I guess what I'm saying is, listen, you don't have to speak Spanish in order to walk the Camino de Santiago. Like, I get that. However, I don't know. If I were to give you 
a little piece of advice when it comes to communication, maybe do like the basic level, like the basic unit of like Duolingo or Babbel or Rosetta Stone or whatever uh, before you come out. Just, you know, be able to say Quiero or Tango or uh, Comer. <laughs> These are all good words to be able to use when you're in someone else's country. So, um, you know, just kind of brush up on the basics. It, it can't hurt. Donde esta el baño? perfect phrase you're probably going to need at some point on the trip (laughs) here we go day two on the meseta still day 14 um we're still walking to boadilla del camino but this is our second day on the meseta and now we're getting a lot of that desert experience Whew, it is hot, y'all. You know, I'm looking at the horizon. I don't see any relief in sight. Hopefully there's a town coming up soon. But, uh, so this is noon. So, you know, not even the hottest part of the day. Hottest part of the day is going to be, like, around 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. I mean, it's brutal. You're, you're out here in the middle of nowhere. There's no shade. You're surrounded by wheat and wheat and maybe some other crops besides wheat occasionally. And uh, it is a desert. Like, it is um, oppressive and uh, it is not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. So I can now safely say I've had the legitimate Masetta experience. I am currently desperately looking for an oasis good early morning everyone it is 5 30 on day 15 on the camino de santiago and we are walking today from boadilla del camino to carrion de los condes uh, fun facts about carrion de los condes Uh, It has a rich and prosperous, to say nothing of colorful history, located at the intersection of the Pilgrimage Road and the Rio Carrion. It attracted merchants and a sizable population. Charlemagne is reported to have used the fields along the river as an encampment on his quest to control the pilgrimage route. Over a dozen pilgrim hospices, once called Carrion Home, and to this day, you will find that many of the albergues are under the care of one religious order or another. The nuns of Santa Maria are known to sing to pilgrims. It's a pretty famous one. So, that's where we're headed today. And we're leaving this early because, as I said yesterday, it is hot on the Meseta. So... We finally had a morning where it wasn't freezing cold. It's only slightly chilly. So now we're walking as early as possible to try to cut out as much of the midday heat as we can. So there's these there's a couple of guys that are on the trail that I've noticed are you know pretty faithfully like reading a bible and like going to mass and 
um, whenever there's like services at churches and stuff like that. And so I pegged them as like, oh, okay, they're probably like devout Catholics who are doing this Camino for a very sort of religious reason, right? There's, there's a lot of people on the Camino who I think are doing it for spiritual reasons, but just not overtly. Like, you just don't announce it that you're doing it for religious reasons, right? Or spiritual reasons. You just kind of say like, oh, I'm looking for something. I'm trying to find something. I need peace. I need, I need to separate from my daily life for a little bit. You hear stuff like that a lot. I think that those are spiritual things just sort of couched in like language that wouldn't necessarily offend people, you know, if I don't know, um, or wouldn't out you as sort of like a, Oh, you're one of those weirdo religious people. Right. So let's take a step back. The Camino is a religious pilgrimage. It's not just a walk in the park. Like this exists for a very particular reason. It's, for Christians, by Christians, right? Whatever it is that we graft onto the Camino, like that's what's at the heart of it. And anyway, I saw these guys going to all of these things and I had never talked to them before. But yesterday I did. Like, right actually when I decided like, oh, maybe I'll talk about how religion and spirituality work on the trail. I had a conversation with these guys yesterday. Um, their names are Mike and Dave. And part of it for them is sort of a crisis of faith, which, you know, I didn't really dig into too much. Another part is just like, no, it's like totally devotional for them. Like they really believe in miracles and salvation. And they're using this trail as a way to pray for what it is that they need and sort of hold on to like a private prayer practice. They're trying to do the daily office each day while walking and stuff. I mean, it's commendable. Like it, it really is. I will say, yeah, I mean, it does kind of put you on your heels a little bit when people ask you why you're walking the Camino because I mean, it is a spiritual reason why I'm walking the Camino, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Right. I'm learning stuff, but I mean, it's nothing specific. You know, I didn't survive cancer like one of the people that I talked to. You know, it's not a threshold moment for me. It's something else. It's like a, I don't know. It's just a, a time of spiritual reflection, just a very intense time of spiritual reflection. So... I've been working in churches for a long time, and here's what I can tell you. The vocation that I'm called to, which is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, right? To, like, um, form Christians in the practices and beliefs of our faith. Like, that's my call, right? But even here on the trail, I get emails from work saying, like, hey, can we put in a new like new pieces of equipment on the playground or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I get like, and can you research that? And can you blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I think that's where I get disheartened sometimes with work in the church is that, I mean, sure, uh, new slides on the playground are fine, right? But that's not what I'm called to. <laughs> like, that's not my vocation. 
and sometimes you get lost in the in the work of the new slides on the playground and you forget the work of talking about Jesus and I found after sort of 20 something years of doing this work without a break I found that happening more and more where it's like if somebody asked me about work I would just rant about the minutiae Hopefully something like this really helps to kind of even that out a little bit more. Where it's like, yeah, that kind of work is always going to be there. You're always going to need new slides on the playground. But at the heart of everything that we do, you just hold on to the fact that it's a ministry. And hopefully it's helping someone find meaning and purpose in their life. So... I was glad that I met those guys yesterday, and I was glad I was actually able to have sort of like overt religious conversations for like the first time on this trail. It was great. Beside the highway walking, again, this time in the extreme heat of the Maseta. And we've got six kilometers to get to Carrion de las Candes, which is our destination. Ooh, you guys, these are the times that do try the Camino experience. I don't know that I have a favorite part of the Camino, but it was, it was not what I was told it would be. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would say that the Maseta, so walking wise, I don't know that it was my favorite. I mean, obviously there's like, there's other areas that are just really beautiful oh, sure. uh, to walk in and you're like popping off pictures, you know, constantly yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. But as far as like, the rhythm of the community of the trail. So like the people that I'm walking with and stuff like that, you're not going to get closer to anybody than you are going to be close to the people that you're walking through this section of trail with. Like everything, everything that sort of built over the first few weeks, it just, it was like, it all kind of got cinched together and just like became super tight so that by the time we're actually done with the Maseta and we're leaving. You're actually looking back with fondness on the Maseta and thinking, Oh man, remember back in the days where it was simpler times and I knew who I was walking with and I, you know, I would come across them in towns and we would just like share a beer and then keep going, you know, and stuff like that. It's like everything just kind of comes together in that section in a way that's hard to sort of explain, you know? Yeah. I, I look, I look through photos as you, as you talk about this and I remember being in a place with a guy from Belgium who I think I may have told you online, there are people who, or maybe in the last episode where, you know, people still text us. And this is one of those guys that we really started to connect on just life and, why we were on the Camino and this is someone who's walked it a couple times before. And 
So um, yeah, that that was a similar experience. Yeah. Good, bright, and early morning again, everyone. It is day sixteen on the Camino de Santiago, and it is five forty-five, leaving Carrion de los Candes. And we are headed towards Terradios de los Templarios. Yes, that's right. Terradios de los Templarios. Fun facts about Terradios de los Templarios. I have literally no facts about them. I do know that uh, leaving Terradios between there and Sagun coming up... Uh, the Camino follows along a dirt track, which frequently parallels the N120, which has numerous blind spots for motorists, and you're advised to keep off it, whether by bike or by foot. So that's what I can tell you about Terradios. I don't know. Can we reconstruct something from the name? Terradios de los Templarios seems to imply that we're heading towards Knights Templar territory. I don't know. Probably more about them later. Uh, what's happening on day 16? Um, I was thinking about the Maseta today because it seems like we're missing a lot of people that we had been walking with. And I can imagine that that's due to uh, people skipping the Maseta, which is altogether possible. You know, it's, uh, it's a desert. It's hot. And there are a lot of cars, so sometimes it can be a bit of a drag to walk this area. In fact, over the course of recording this, I've paused the recording three times to allow for trucks and cars and tractors and stuff to go by. And it's 5.45 in the morning, you guys. Which is to say that, you know, it's, it's not the most exciting part of the Camino. You know, I was talking yesterday about sort of six kilometers of walking beside the highway. I mean, that stuff kind of takes a toll on you after a little while. And I can see why people are like, it's just not beautiful and it's just really hard. And I just want to go ahead and get back to the nature trails and all of that stuff. You know, I was talking to some folks yesterday one person said that uh, they had walked the Camino before and that they had gone the entire way from St. Jean all the way to Santiago with the same 12 people. There was like this sort of consortium of 12 people that all became friends on day one. And all 12 of them walked at the same time and all 12 of them made it to Santiago at the same time. There's something really beautiful about that. It doesn't seem real to me as someone doing it this time. Like, it, there's not even one person that I've been able to say I left St. John with and I'm going to arrive in Santiago with. So it makes for a strange kind of sensation knowing that these things can actually happen. But also there's just so many factors. Like... Who's taking a rest day? Who's skipping the Maseta? Who's, uh, you know, has some terrible injury and needs to see a doctor for a day? 
like you just don't know like what uh can happen and so this idea of starting finishing together it's just incredible i in my camino experience has been like lord of the rings uh, which is like, hey, we put our team together and then immediately it fell apart. <laughs> just kind of walk into to Mordor with like scraps here. I mean, I'm just chronicling what happened to me. But if you do this experience later on, more power to you and try to do the whole thing and who knows? Maybe you'll have companions the entire way. It's, uh, it's really impossible to tell because it's just so different for everybody. All right. On the plus side, hey, uh, you guys, I got a long sleeve shirt for these cold mornings. So I'm no longer freezing uh, in the morning when we leave. That's exciting news. All right, looks like I'm out in the wilderness now. So uh, I will sign off and try to pay attention to yellow arrows in the dark. Oh, and I forgot to say, we're leaving early today because it's a Maseta and because by 11 a.m. it's blazing hot. But also, it is 17 kilometers, you guys until we get to another town. And here's the thing about Greg, Camino Greg, not really an instant coffee guy. I, you know, I know, I know. It makes me a bit of a snob, I get that. But uh, I like hot coffee made by somebody making coffee. I just don't like stirring grounds around into a cup. So that means this is going to be a long non-coffee morning because cafes don't open up in town until like at least 7 usually and I'm not going to wait until 7 to start walking because then it's going to be blazing hot so 17k before I can get coffee this is going to be interesting okay so still out here on the Masata, still wandering still doing my thing had a straight thought, which is about the nationalities of where folks are coming from and sort of the pace of walking. So let's do a quick uh, scorecard. Um, we'll start with the Americans, since I'm American and most of our listeners are Americans. There are a lot of Americans. I run into a ton of them. They seem like they're going very slow. So Americans, like every time I run into a big group of them, they've been walking for like a month or something like that. So the Americans aren't very fast, I would say. Let's see. Let's go to Spanish people next since that's their country. Spaniards are pretty fast, but they also tend to walk from very long distances. So every time I run into people from Spain, it's like they didn't start in St. John. They started in like Barcelona or they started in uh, Hakka or something like that. Like they're, they're walking like super long distances, uh, generally piecing together multiple routes at one time. Okay, now let's get to Italians. Italians, super fast. Oh my gosh. And somehow, like, I've found myself on the Italian course. And um, 
man, I mean, they will fly past you and they will put in like big kilometer days at a time. So Italians, generally super fast. Germans, pretty fast. I would say very fast walkers, but I can't really understand their stages. Like their stages are sometimes very long and then other times very short, which is a little strange. And then finally, uh, South Koreans. There were a ton of South Koreans when we first started this trip. Since we made it to the Maseta, there have been absolutely no South Koreans. So it makes me wonder if maybe a, most of the groups of South Koreans just sort of skipped the Maseta. Because, like I said, there were a ton when we first started. So I don't know... I don't know if maybe they're just more interested in the mountain walking um, versus this flat straight walking. Anyway, that's a, uh, a blow by blow of nationalities and their walking styles. Did I leave anybody out? Yes, English people. Haven't run into many English people or UK people in general. I would say that they, t they seem like they're taking their time, mostly. Like, UK people just kind of stroll. I kind of like Americans, but I feel like Americans are more intentional about, like, not going fast. Whereas UK folks are just kind of like, I don't know, we'll play it by ear. We'll see what happens. So, there you go. General wrap-up of nationalities and how they walk. Oh, yeah. Two nationalities that I missed that you always see on the Camino. Uh, Canadians. Canadians are like fairies <laughs> which means that like they kind of flit in and flit out of your life on the trail like I don't know that I've ever walked three days in a row with the same Canadians like you'll see a group of Canadians they're there for a couple of days and then they're just whoosh, disappear then there's another group of Canadians. Um, so, yeah, they, the Canadians are very mysterious to me on the trail. Uh, Australians. Australians. Woo. Okay. So, kind of like the UK, Australians don't necessarily have a plan. But if they decide to walk, they're walking, dude. Like, they will bang out, like, 40 kilometers in a day or something like that and then they'll just like eh, I'm good here I'll just rest for like three days so <laughs> Australians don't necessarily have a timetable uh, they just kind of walk at their own pace but boy when they start walking look out they are gone so yeah Canadians and Australians that's just the follow-up Good morning, everyone. It is a windy and chilly day 17 start on the Camino de Santiago. Today, we are walking from Terradios de los Templarios to Calzadilla de los Hermanillos. Whew. Okay. Let's start working on these town names. Fun facts about the Calzadilla. Um, don't have any fun facts, really. Uh, the Camino from Calzadilla once went directly to Mancia de la Mulas, bypassing Reliejos, 
There you go. Um, the route proved to be less desirable than going first to Ray Rayleighos, which is close enough. Well, I'll tell you something about this. I know a fun fact about this. Um, Calzadilla isn't on the traditional Camino route. So we're kind of getting off the, uh, the new revised standard Camino route. And we're doing the old uh, Roman route. Uh, for two reasons. One is the new route basically just hugs the highway all the way through the rest of the Maceta. Um, which just means you're walking beside the highway the entire time. Not necessarily um, my cup of tea, as I have expressed before on this here fine podcast. However, uh, the Roman route goes sort of off and into the wilderness a little bit, climbing some hills you know, in the Maceta and stuff like that. And so, so opted for that route instead. So we're heading off the main track today and up to Calzadilla. So there's your fun fact. It's on the old Roman route, which I would recommend if you ever find yourself in the Maceta. What's going on right now? You know, I keep comparing this trip to things you know, trying to figure out, like, what is this like? What is this like? And then yesterday I had this amazing thought. So I grew up on 70s television shows. They were what they were. I will say, here's the thing about 70s shows that they really got right that I think we need to bring back into the modern day, which is, like, showing the showing clips at the beginning of the episode for the show that you're about to watch. Oh my gosh, it's like a built-in trailer for the TV show. It's great. I'm sure it was designed to get you to not change the channel uh, so that you would stick around and watch The Incredible Hulk or whatever it was that you were about to watch, but it works. I think we should definitely bring that back. Bring that back, Hollywood. Little clips from the show that you're about to watch. Yeah, so anyway, those 70 shows had... A lot of them had a formula. I'm thinking of like... Things like The Incredible Hulk, things like The A-Team, where it was basically like one guy or a team of guys would go from sort of town to town, meet people, get in adventures. Kung Fu was like this, right? Um, You would walk from town to town, you would meet people, you would get in adventures, and then the next week they would walk to a different town meet new people, get new adventures. That is the definition of the Camino de Santiago. You're, I mean, and maybe it's, maybe it's the Maceta that put me in this mind, but there really is like this high plains drifter aspect to this thing where, you know, you're looking at your shadow, you're wearing a bucket hat. It looks ridiculous, but your shadow kind of makes it look like a cowboy hat. And you just kind of go strolling into town with, like, your backpack. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It. This metaphor is falling apart. However, just trust me that, like, you know, you're kind of heading from place to place. And the places that you go to, there's going to be... 200 other yous that get there, you know, at some point during the rest of the week. So, like, you're, you're nothing special, but it feels, um, it feels really meaningful to you at the time when you arrive in town and you're just kind of like, all right, 
what's the adventure waiting for me here today, you know? Um, so there you go. It's, uh, it feels a little bit like Dr. David Banner in the Incredible Hulk TV series. That's what the Camino is like. Enjoy that image. <laughs> okay, so, fun fact you learn when you take the Roman road, which is different from the current track of the Camino. A couple of things. One is that it is not entirely obvious which way to go if you're planning to go to Calzadilla, de los Hermanios. Um, like, uh, you know, I had to follow my GPS tracker, but like the arrows and stuff really want you to stick to the highway, really want you to go on the main route. So by consequence, fact number two, when you find yourself out here is that it is empty, y'all. Like there are no pilgrims in sight. No pilgrims in front of me, no pilgrims behind me, and I can tell because I can see to the horizon both ways. So, if you are looking to sort of get away from the crowd a little bit uh, at this point of the Meseta, which, you know, I gotta be honest, I kind of was, then absolutely go this way. Like, get off the main track take the old Roman path and stay in one of the towns out here, you're going to end up with like probably a dorm room to yourself, which is great because it's cheap and you don't have to deal with all of the snoring at night. And you get sort of time to think and reflect while walking down this long country road in the middle of nowhere. So there you go. Pro tip. For the next time you're out here. If you're looking to get away, take the Roman route. Hello everyone. This is day 18 on the Camino de Santiago. And we're currently walking from Casadilla de los Hermanos to Mencia de las Mulas. Is that all? That's all. These names of towns are really long, you guys. And so... Every time I look at the town on my handy app here, it always has dot, dot, dot at the end. And so I'm never quite sure if there's like more to the town name or not. Anyway, Mencia de las Mulas, fun facts. Mencia traces its history back to Roman times. And the walls that continue to surround most of the city bear evidence of its importance. It was both a layover on the Roman road to Leon and a market town, uh, dealing in mostly mules. Mules. There you go. Okay, so what's happening today on day 18? Well, I can tell you, I just spent an incredible day and night in Calzadilla de los Hermanos. Okay, so remember when I told you yesterday that we were splitting off from the main road? We were taking what's considered to be the Roman route uh, to Santiago, which is uh, a little more out of the way, a little off the highway kind of thing. Well, we did that, and um, uh, me and my friend Nathaniel, we were the only people that did that. And so... (laughs) 
So, you know, here are two pilgrims uh, showing up in town, and the only two pilgrims in town. And here's, here's what's made it kind of awkward, is that uh, where that alternate route leaves the main route, it's not really clearly marked at all. So if you're just following the yellow arrows, you're just going to skip it. You're going you're gonna to totally miss it. The only way that you're going to know to look for it is if you're planning on taking the alternate route. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, there weren't many pilgrims that came this way. What's kind of a little surprising is that Casadilla used to have two albergues. They had a restaurant in town that had like a pilgrim's menu, free Wi-Fi. Um, they had a hotel, um, you know, same thing, restaurant all of that stuff. Everything that you would expect to see in like a small pilgrim town, uh, this town had, except within the last month, uh, one of the albergues closed. The restaurant no longer serves a pilgrim's menu. They've switched like solely back to total Spanish style. So that means like everything is a la carte. Everything is like, Spanish delicacy stuff. Stuff that you wouldn't expect. So like frog legs and beef tongue and, you know, I mean, just like stuff that's, I mean, not gross stuff, but just stuff that's kind of off the beaten path a little bit. And and it serves dinner at nine o'clock, which is like right peak, you know, kind of Spanish dinner hours. So like all that is to say that Calzadilla, which was once a pilgrim town still wants to be a pilgrim town i think is now sort of reverting out of being a pilgrim town because the way has kind of bypassed it because like the the route that you would have originally taken that had a clear split that told you like you can go this way or this way like people don't go past that split anymore and so so I don't know. It just it kind of it kind of made me a little sad as a pilgrim. It kind of made me a little sad because I would like people to experience Calzadilla. It's a neat little town. It has a lot to offer. The people there were really hospitable to me. Um, but at the same time, it's like it's kind of a town that feels like it's moving on from pilgrim status, and it's just kind of saying, "Well, I guess we're cut out now, so we're just gonna." go back to being a small little Spanish town out here in the middle of nowhere on the Meseta. There's there's a part of me that wants to advocate for people to go through Calzadilla, and there's also a part of me that just wants the people of Calzadilla to do whatever they want to do. Um, it's, I'm so glad that we got to stay there. The only thing there is the municipal albergue and a store. like, <laughs> And there's no kitchen at the albergue, so... It's like you're going to be living off of Doritos and Cokes, you know, the entire time you're there for right now anyway. Uh, you know, here's me putting a plug in. If you're walking the Camino and you get to the section of the Meseta where it's like you can stay on the highway and get to El Berga Renero, or you can get off the highway and go up to Calzadilla, I'm going to put in a plug for going to Calzadilla. It's a little rough around the edges right now, but... Um, but they could probably use the use the financial support. So, yeah, it's just funny. It's so funny. Like, you know, life goes on around here. 
not everything is about the pilgrimage. Not everything is about us. It's also uh, folks just kind of living their daily lives out here. And that was... Last night was maybe the most authentic Spanish experience I've had since I've been here. Um, and I'm grateful for the for the chance to have it. So that's all I wanted to say. Calzadilla, check it out. So in a perfect example of the kinds of thoughts that come to you while you're walking on the meseta and you have tons of time to think because nothing around you is changing, it just occurred to me that when I read the description... The fun facts of Mancia de las Mulas. And it was like, oh, this town is known for its mules. Yeah, de las Mulas. Dang, Greg. Sorry, it just never... Sorry. It just occurred to me just now. So, there you go. Uh, Also, fun fact, as I am walking to Mancia de las Mulas right now, um, there's another town in between, Reliejos, that we're going to come to, but we have now walked far enough on the Maceta that I can see on the horizon the Cantabrian Mountains that we're going to be walking in in, I don't know, like five days or something like that. So, um, wow, those are mountains, you guys. We're going to be doing that again can't wait. <laughs> this is, uh, so the Meseta is remote, is, is where a lot of these towns, like you're not going through big cities. I mean, there's Burgos at the start, and then eventually you're going to make it to Leon. That's the next big city that you're going to come to. Mm-hmm. But in between, like, it's pretty much small towns along the way. There's like, really not just, a whole lot going on. Let's just really stress, they're villages. I mean, they're yeah. not, I'm trying to convey how small they are. It may, it may be a few houses, a mechanic shop, one, maybe two restaurants, one, maybe two bars. I mean, it's just a strip. It's not, there's just not a lot there. Tiny, you know? tiny, tiny spots, right? Beautiful, quaint. And so I get the big idea to get off of the main trail at one mm-hmm. point. And then I get to this little town. It's a town called Calzadilla. Okay. The town has one albergue. One albergue. Is this uh, De Los Hermanillos? Is this Calzadilla De Los Hermanillos? We That's went right there. there. Yeah, I just you were there. Best, best sandwich. I'm, I'm showing Greg a photo of when I say sandwich, it's literally about 25 slices of, of pepperoni on a piece of bread. <laughs> so and there's one albergue. It's the municipal albergue. Oh, gotcha. It's, it's not finished. So they're renovating it, but it's not finished. And so the guy takes me to a room and he opens up basically like the side basement door and he brings me in and there's like, there's an area off to the right where you can hose yourself off. And then you go around the corner and in in a in a closet is one bunk bed that has foam mattresses on top of it. No paper sheets, no anything like that. And a mop, uh, basically where you can mop up after you've taken your garden hose shower. Right. And there's no like anybody can come into this. place. There's no locks on the doors or anything like that. I put like the the clothing rack, the dryer rack. I put that in front of the door because I was like, so if anybody comes in, 
at least I'll knock over the dryer rack and that'll wake me up and I'll know that somebody came in. It was like the albergue out of your nightmare. Good morning, everyone. Actually, it's not even morning. It's like mid-morning, so it's not bright and early this time. Uh, so mid-morning, good morning. On day 19 of the Camino de Santiago, we are walking today from, oh, where was it? Mencia de las Mulas to León. Ooh, León. Fun facts about León. Nearly 1,000 years ago, the city of León was the jewel in the crown of the most powerful king in the Iberian Peninsula. At the time, a fractured version of what would not become a unified nation for several hundred years. 1,000 years before that, it was a Roman settlement, critical in protecting the wealth of gold that came from the mines to the west of Ponferrada. Only briefly was it under Muslim control, and it holds the distinction of being the seat of Europe's first democratic parliament. Leon. Another fun fact, it's the, uh, the cathedral in Leon is uh, what uh, my church, Bethesda by the Sea, is modeled after. So I'll be curious to see what architectural similarities the two have. Now, t- t- to be fair, when I say that, Leon is massive. The cathedral in Leon is massive. Um, Bethesda by the Sea is uh, an impressive church, but n- nowhere near the size of the Leon Cathedral. So um, it's just kind of uh, architectural echoes, I think, is uh, what we have. So anyway, so day 19, you guys, which means that yesterday was day 18. And guess what? The Camino family came together, finally, in the middle of the trail. Uh, heading into Mancia and uh, sort of turned a corner, stayed in Albergue. Uh, there was like a cafe along the way, and like everybody that I had ever met uh, on the Camino, for the most part, you know, except for like the people early, early on, were like at this one spot together. And you, here, here's the thing that I don't think I fully appreciated. I mean, honestly, it was like the Avengers coming together. It was, it was incredible. But I think what I didn't super appreciate until it actually kind of all happened is that you have these separate dynamics with people, you know? It's like, oh, I met Kyle from Australia on this day. We had this conversation. I met Felix from San Diego on this day. We had this conversation. I met Christina from Lithuania on this day. We had this conversation. Nigel from the UK on this day. We had this conversation. And so it's like... You know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking of them individually as I encounter them, like, on the trail. And so then to see everybody together in one spot, and they all have, like, their own dynamics with each other, it's, it's just fascinating. You know, it's like, it's one of those things that you just can't script. And when you see it happen, I don't know, it's, it's, it's heartwarming knowing that you're all in this together. Now... When we get to Leon, I'm sure we'll all be separated again. Um, like, for instance, uh, Matt, who's uh, or Ben, who's one of the guys from Pennsylvania. His birthday is today, so he's going to be celebrating Leon for a couple of days. So I'm sure we won't see Matt and Ben from Pennsylvania anymore after this. Um, 
We're going to be losing some folks to different trails um, in Leon. Some folks are going to go up to connect to the Camino Primitivo um, after they get to Leon. Uh, some people are going to add um, people to their party. Uh, a couple of guys that I met from Arizona, Mike and Dave, their wives are meeting them in Leon and walking the rest of the way to Santiago with them. So, yeah, so the Camino family, it's a thing. It actually, honest to God, is an actual thing. I didn't think that it was for the longest time. And now it is. And I, I don't know. It was very exciting. And I don't think it can be replicated. And I don't think we'll all be in the same place again, ever. But to see it happen for one day, one night, in the middle of nowhere, uh, before getting to Leon... It was just, it was something really special that I'll always remember about this Camino experience. So, um, the Maceta, bringing everyone together, finally, after separating all of us. Alright guys, it is day 20 on the Camino de Santiago, and it is our penultimate day of the Maceta. We are leaving Leon and headed for... Vilar de Mazarif. Fun facts about Vilar de Mazarif. There is nothing to say about Vilar de Mazarif except to avoid the albergue Tio Pepe. But I gotta tell you, I just read the review of Tio Pepe. It sounds fine. These, this negative review, it just sounds like high-maintenance pilgrims to me. Uh, no, uh, we are headed to Villar de Mazarif. I'll give you a fun fact about Villar de Mazarif. It is on the alternate trail. We're back on an alternate trail again. Uh, the Maceta, like I said, it splits several times. Um, the main path, what, what the Camino really wants you to do is follow a highway called the N120, which basically runs east-west. Um, that's the easiest way and the fastest way for them to get you through the Maceta here in the last half. And so, um, so most of the time you're just walking beside the road if you stay on the uh, traditional path. If you veer off, which we're on the scenic route right now, I don't know. I mean scenic for the Maceta, I guess. I don't think it adds any extra time. And you, you actually, as opposed to the Calzada room, Romana, the Via Trabahana, no, Via Trahana that we did before, uh, that one was basically empty, you know, I talked about that town, Calzadilla. Uh, this one is filled with, like, towns and restaurants and stuff like that, so as an alternate road goes, it's fine. It's well marked, and I don't know. If you're not a road person like me, I would recommend taking it. Uh, what's going on? Well, uh, you know, we've got another Camino family split, just like with the fires. Uh, although this one's not nearly as serious. Uh, a lot of our sort of walking companions are staying be behind in Leon for a day. Leon was just a fabulous city. Um, loved it. Uh, had a great time there. The cathedral's beautiful. So now, you know, it's sort of walking into that new mystery of who are you going to meet uh, this time? Who are the new people along the way? I will say that from a logistics standpoint, I've noticed that 
you know, I try to book like a private room every three days or so. Um, I call it laundry day slash luxury day. It's an opportunity for me to get some sleep um, because it's hard to sleep in the dorms and uh, get some laundry done. And uh, so so that's coming up uh, in Astorga tomorrow, which is our last day of the Maseta. But uh, what I'm finding is that it's hard to book places in Astorga and it makes me wonder if we're starting to add pilgrims already. Leon's like a good starting point if you want to do like a two week Camino. And so I kind of have the sneaking feeling like we're gonna be fighting new people for uh, beds and albergues uh, between here and Santiago. So we'll just have to kind of see, see how it goes. Yeah, so, you know, it's that kind of separation thing again from the Camino family. But we've, uh, we've dealt with this before, and this time it's not nearly as drastic as last time with the fires. Uh, so yesterday I was walking with a guy from South Korea. His name is Sean. He's, uh, he's great. Really cool guy. Um, I've loved getting a chance to know him. Uh, I've been walking with him, gosh, since day three he and his uh fiance soon to be wife are uh walking together but his wife got ill um a few towns back and so she's had to sort of ride ahead by bus instead of walking and so yesterday was his first day of walking on his own and so for most of the day he was walking with me i think he's just kind of used to like walking with a partner And I encouraged him. I was like, you know, have you ever walked by yourself in any of these Masada periods? And he was like, no. And I was like, you should try it. It really is. Like, there's just such a difference between walking by yourself. And I mean, I guess you can throw in earbuds and stuff if you want to. But just, you know, listening to your own thoughts uh, and ideas kind of banging around your head. And then letting go of those thoughts and ideas and just kind of letting it wash over you. There's just something peaceful about it. So I've really enjoyed my time on the Maseta when I've been alone. And I've just kind of been trying to encourage other people to just get get some separation time um, out here. Because coming up pretty soon, you're not going to be able to separate. So... Uh, yeah, so that's it. One more day in the desert. Can't believe it. We're already starting to run into some hills. It's, uh, it's amazing. The old legs are starting to fire up again. So we'll see what happens, uh, when we hit the end. See you later. It is day 21 on the Camino de Santiago, and we are walking today from... Villar de Mazarif to Astorga. Fun facts about the town of Astorga. At the junction of several Roman roads, it is no wonder that Astorga is full of Roman ruins. Several dig sites are ongoing and can be toured, and nearly every structure in town has some Roman foundation. This was an important crossroad for the Romans and the gateway into El Bierzo. So there you go. Um, It is bright and early in the morning. Um, 
about 5.30 or so right now, which is why my voice sounds like it does. Uh, it's our last day on the Maseta. Uh, so this is it for the desert section. After this, uh, after we get to Astorga, um, we start climbing into the Cantabrian mountain region. And uh, so all the wheat fields will go away and be replaced by groves of eucalyptus trees coming up. Um, it's also the longest day of the entire Camino today. We're doing over 20 miles. I think the last I saw was 31 kilometers, but I'm actually adding some kilometers today because I'm just, you know, deranged like that. So yeah, so it's going to be a really long day, but at the end of the day, uh, I wasn't able to find an open albergue in uh, Astorga, so we get a hotel. So it's super luxury day when we get to Astorga, and that's going to be quite the treat to actually have a hotel room on the Camino. That one's going to be a trip. So, okay, so this is the last day of the Maseta. So let's talk about what have we learned <laughs> in this region uh, since this is our last episode. The Maseta is uh, one of those things that uh, people tell you to skip. It's a grind. It's nine days of just sort of flat walking. And a lot of times, like, walking by the road. I'm on a road right now. Uh, <laughs> going to nowhere it feels like people just say like look it's it's just it's really boring you can skip it you can go ahead um it's the mental challenge uh of the camino it's the part of the camino where people are like you're just going to be walking and experiencing whatever's in your mind so it's a time to sort of challenge yourself to challenge like what is it that you're doing what's your purpose here why are you doing this I don't know. I I don't know that I approached the Maseta any of those ways. I think I came into the Maseta expecting that I would be emptied out. That this would be the section where, by the end of it, I would just feel wiped. Like, man, I've been doing this a really long time. I just need, like, I just need to know that there's an end coming soon. Like, that kind of thing. Um, but actually, oddly, uh, the Maseta has been the place where I felt the most fulfilled on this trip. This is where, really, honestly, like everything sort of came together. Figured out the Camino pattern, figured out my Camino family. Like, it's just been one reward after another. Even like the times where I've been by myself, you know, in like this crazy town of Calzadilla and all of that drama that came with that. Like, I don't know. If it, like everything felt fulfilling. It was just a rich experience. So what I could compare it to is this. In the miniseries The Stand, which came out back in the 90s, right? Um, one of my favorite parts of it is, uh, the character of Glenn, who's one of my favorite characters, who's like a philosophy teacher at a community college in Texas or something like that. He and Ralph and Stu and Larry, 
are sent by a character named Mother Abigail to walk from Boulder, Colorado to Las Vegas to confront the evil force uh, that's in that story. And Glenn has this great line where he says, you know, we could have just taken a car or we could have just figured out a way to get there quickly. But no, Mother Abigail wanted us to walk there. And it was so that we could be emptied out, waiting to be filled up again by some new thing, possibly a great thing, and most certainly the last thing. Now, taking out that last part, because I really don't want this experience to be the last thing I ever do, I think that resonates with me. I think that, like, whatever the emptying out phase was, like, I don't feel empty now. I feel, I feel full. And I think that, I think that just, you know, it's just the simple act of walking to the horizon that's allowed that to happen. I don't think it's magic, but I do think that human beings aren't supposed to travel at the rates of speed that we do. And there's something that returns you to a simpler mind frame when you just go four kilometers an hour. And so that's, I think, what I've taken away from my Masetta experience, that it's, it's okay to slow down, that actually it makes you more of a full person and it's okay to look around you at the blessings that you've got, even when they look sparse, and recognize that they're meaningful. So, don't skip the Masetta. <laughs> Do the Masetta if you're doing the Camino. And enjoy it. Look for the gifts that are there. All right, next up is the Cantabrian Mountains, a much shorter region. I think only four stages, so that's going to be a really short episode, and it's going to be a lot of me huffing and puffing climbing <laughs> climbing these mountains back into Galicia. So, uh, so we'll see how it goes. Anyway, we'll catch you next time. Bye. I love that idea about not skipping the hard stuff or the boring stuff that there may be something in there for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Yeah. It's where we came up with the term. So there was a guy named Tony, uh, from, uh, Croatia who was walking with us who coined the term first bar last beer, because that's where you would find him. If you were ever looking for Tony, you go to the first bar in town and he'll be there until the last beer gets served. <laughs> and so, so Tony was always first bar, last beer. And so that's where we would usually end up hanging out is you would find the first bar and hang out with Tony for the last mm. I th I feel like we're coming back to the same sort of learning, which is like, you just don't judge something by its cover. And I, th I feel like the Masetta gets judged by its cover a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be... Mm -hmm. That's it's good. a lot yeah, of walking and there are parts of it where your your brain is just like oh god like anything other than walking beside this highway again and mm -hmm. yet like if you look past all of that it's almost like those magic eye posters from the 90s right if you look past all of that nonsense like there's something really beautiful underneath mm -hmm. all of it and it absolutely. has to do with community and stuff like that yeah so absolutely
All right, that's it. We've successfully navigated the desert section in Maseta in the books. Up next is the El Bierzo region, the Cantabrian Mountains in El Bierzo. So this is climbing all the way up to Cruz Ferro, <laughs> climbing all the way down to Ponferrada, and then climbing up again to Osabrera. So lots of up and down. It's the roller coaster section of the Camino. And we will see you then. Now, here it is, your Camino moment of Zen. But